Let me tell you why you're here. You're here because you know something. What you know you can't explain, but you feel it. You felt it your entire life. There's something wrong in the world. You don't know what it is, but it's there. Hello, friends, and welcome to The Secret Podcast with Sixth Sense Media and Service of Change. It's the show that challenges reality, questions that which you've been taught in hopes of inspiring your direction of thought to bring about change. I'm your host, Dennis Nappy II. In this episode, as always, we're going to make the paranormal feel quite normal and the supernatural quite natural. You know, Morpheus's words at the beginning of this uh, podcast, as they always play, they just ring so true to me, at least. Um, today, more than any other day, I think, just listening to that, you're here because you know something. What you know you can't explain, but you feel it, and you just said it again, like a splinter in your mind driving you mad. It is this feeling that has brought you to me. Hopefully it's that feeling that has brought you to me to listen to this podcast and every other podcast that I have out there. I think this marks episode 129 or 130, all available on SoundCloud, iTunes, TuneIn Radio, and wherever you can find your podcast, Google Play as well. Uh, thank you to my listeners who out there been supporting the show. But I want to talk about that feeling that's inside right now. It's I, I couldn't sleep last night uh, because I had these thoughts in my head. I don't even think I'm going to be able to get into the extent of what, I can't even call it thinking, what I'm feeling. Connections that are being made that I don't fully understand. It feels like that night when I was up, and for those of you that read I Am Human and We Are Not Who We Think We Are, it's just that desire to understand and you feel like I have the information I need, I'm processing it. The best movie that ever captured it was Close Encounters of the Third Kind by Steven Spielberg where Richard Dreyfus was given the image of the mountain in his head and he didn't know what the mountain was and he starts sculpting it out of his potatoes. He tried to shape it with his pillow and eventually a giant mountain of mud he put into his living room. But at one point when the man was having a nervous breakdown, he looks at his family who's staring at him like he's crazy and he says, I know this. This means something. That scene for me is so powerful because I often feel like that when I hear just the tiniest bit of information, which happened in the past week for me, tiny bits of information, and then I sit there and I say, I know this, this means something. And last night, uh, I watched a film and it just, it punched me in the gut so hard and other things started to get connected, plus I'm reading a book this week. Who knows, maybe I'm just nuts, maybe I've seen too many of these science fiction movies, maybe I've read too many books, maybe I've got an overactive imagination. But again, if you're listening to this show, I suspect... You have a similar feeling. And uh, I remember years ago, probably the lowest point of my life, I wrote about it in my first book, Service. I was dealing with PTSD, not really understanding what was going on in my head. The only comfort I found was doing research into this stuff. Now, this was early on. This is 2004. I'm sitting in my uh, in my office at the time, and my my then fiance, who's no we're no longer together, thank God for that. But she comes out and she looks at me and she says, "What are you reading?" And I said, "Oh, this is really cool. I'm reading about the occult and its ties into religion and how things have been changed and everything's connected." And she stopped me and she said, "I swear to fucking God, you're the weirdest person I ever met. You're never gonna figure out 
what aliens are and what all this stuff means and the meaning to life, you're never going to learn it. And I just, I turned off my computer and inside I died. I, I wanted to cry. It was a horribly low feeling. And, uh, I don't have all the answers, but I think back to that moment when I had that drive to know something and I think back to net or I reflect on my time now and what I have learned, which is still only a tiny little bit, but I feel peace. She was wrong. I don't have the answers. I think I have more of the right questions though. That's empowering to me. So tonight's show, I know that was a long intro, but on tonight's show, I want to talk a little bit about some of that stuff, some of those feelings that I'm having right now, and I'm not sure how much I should share with those. I'm a little nervous about it. I really am. Again, maybe you guys are going to think I'm nuts, and if that's the case, let me know. Maybe what I'm saying resonates with you. Maybe you have that piece to the puzzle that I'm missing. Please, let me know. I'll come back to this once I get through the news, I want to talk about the uh, the book that I'm reading right now, The Day After Roswell. Fascinating read. I, I, I'm only a little bit into it right now. I'm actually listening to the audiobook through Audible. But there are connections being made. So I want to talk a little bit about the To the Stars Academy, Tom DeLonge, uh, you know, and, and that story that I have been tracking uh, through Wilcock, DeLonge, uh, Stephen Greer. I mean, it's just a whole mess of stuff. So I want to try and tie all that into this as well. Not try. That's that's you know my, my main goal here. Um, you know, and, and the movie I watched last night. I watched Blade Runner. Um, and, and do I want to get into this now? I'm going to wait till after the news. But I watched Blade Runner last night, the new one with Ryan Gosling, and that's the movie that just really hit me hard. There's a lot of things that I was seeing that that just I, I guess say it felt familiar. You know, and if you listen to the show and you watch that movie, I think you'll understand why. If not go watch that movie, but I want to try to express kind of what kept me up last night thinking about this. I mean, that movie really hit me hard. It really hit me hard. But Philip K. Dick's idea, by the way, you know, he's one of my, wow, that guy has inspired me, and I haven't even realized that he was the one that was inspiring me. So let's talk some news here. I've got a, a few stories that I want to share with you that I think are interesting. This one comes to us from uh, PCAuthority.com. The next generation of smartphone cameras could see through walls. The latest camera research is shifting from increasing the number of megapixels towards fusing data with computational processing. Now, I have no idea what that means. You may be pleased with the camera technology in your latest smartphone, which can recognize your face and take slow-mo video in ultra-high definition. But these technological feats are just the start of a larger revolution. The latest camera research is shifting away from increasing the number of megapixels towards using camera data with computational processing. By that, we don't mean Photoshop style of processing where effects and filters are added to a picture, but rather a radical new approach where the incoming data may not actually look like an Im- look at an image at all. It only becomes an image after a series of computational steps that often involve complex mathematics and modeling how light travels through the, c- the scene of the camera. The additional layer of processing magically frees us from the chains of conventional imaging techniques. One day, maybe we may even need cameras in the conventional sense anymore. Instead, we'll use light detectors. Only a few years ago, we would never have considered any use for imaging. And they'll be able to do incredible things like see-through fog inside the human body and even behind walls. Uh, now that makes sense to me. 
I'm not a scientific guy, but they're not looking at just the image and capturing a still image. They're looking at how light is flowing. And I guess somehow that's going to allow them, you see this in movies, it's going to allow them to use some kind of imaging technology to translate, as I've said before, in this digital electromagnetic universe that we live in, everything is data. There's data out there, and I think what they're finding is a different way to read data. The, the physical structure of matter, it sounds like they're learning to decode it. Now, I'm sure that there's, te- there's secret programs out there that already have stuff like this that can see through walls. I would, I would imagine if it's getting ready to come to the, the public sector, they're slowly leaking it out. That's just my crazy conspiracy theory mind, but... Um, That's fascinating to me, and it's fascinatingly scary. We need to ask ourselves with technology, is this a good idea? Yeah, use it in the medical field. It's great. You can look at the body. Uh, You know, it's probably non-invasive, better than that radiation stuff that we're using right now. But putting that on smartphones, come on now. Goodbye privacy. Goodbye privacy. All right. Some of these, I've only previewed the headlines, so my apologies. But I'll have this in the show notes uh, with uh, SixthSenseMedia.net and at service of change.com. Okay, this next article comes to us from catholicnewsagency.com. It caught my attention, especially if you caught my show, uh, was it two weeks ago, talking about demons and AI. This one's titled, Irish Priest Asks for Backup as Demand for Exorcisms Rise, quote, Exponentially. Dublin, Ireland, January 24, 2018, an Irish priest and exorcist is asking the country's bishops for more support after noticing a dramatic increase in demonic activity in the country. In a recent interview with the Irish Catholic, uh, Friar Pat Collins said he has been overwhelmed with the number of requests for exorcisms from the faithful in Ireland. In an open letter, he has urged the Irish bishops to train more priests to deal with the demand. It's only in recent years that the demand has risen exponentially, Collins told the Irish Catholic. Collins' comments are on par with those of other exorcists throughout the world, including an international association of exorcists, a group of 400 Catholic leaders and priests, which has reported a dramatic increase in demonic activity in recent years. In 2014, the IAE said the levels of demonic activity throughout the world had reached what the agency considered pastoral emergency. Collins said that he was baffled that the bishops have, haven't trained more exorcists for Ireland and added that anyone who doesn't see the need for more exorcists is out of touch with reality. What I'm finding out desperately is people who in their own minds believe, rightly or wrongly, that they're afflicted by an evil spirit, Colin said. I think in many cases they wrongly think it, but when they turn to the church, the church doesn't know what to do with them and they refer them to either a psychologist or somebody that they've heard of that is interested in this form of ministry and they do fall between the cracks and often are not helped, he added. Okay, this is a really interesting article. Uh, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to read the whole thing. I don't like to steal all their thunder. I'm going to share this in the show notes again at sixcentsmedia.net and at servicechange.com, and it'll be in the secret newsletter that comes out uh, tomorrow on Sunday. Uh, check it out. Let me know what you think. I mean, is the, is the need for uh, exorcism really on the rise because we have actual de- more demons that are coming in and possessing people? Or are people just thinking that this is going on? I, I honestly don't know, but my thoughts on demons is that there's some kind of program 
I, I really think that. Go back and listen to my show from, I think it was two weeks ago, talking about demons and AIs and, and the similarities between them. And last week I gave an article that compared how we're all going to have this digital personal assistant. It's going to be a virtual copy of us. Is similar to the equivalent of Ka, the Egyptian spiritual principle, the, the other self. I'm, and that's kind of what I'm going to talk about in a little bit on this episode. The parallels keep getting stronger between our existence, our creation, our spirituality, and AI. Anyway, check this article out. I, I think it's interesting. Here's another piece to the puzzle here. This is from uh, Daily Mail. It's titled, A Step Towards Cloning Humans. Chinese monkeys become the first primates in the world to be replicated using the Dolly the Sheep method of transferring DNA. Uh, identical Mackies, Zong Zong and Hua Hua were born eight and six weeks ago. The monkeys are the world's first primates to be cloned from transferred DNA. Study marks a watershed in cloning research and raises major ethical questions. Scientists hope to prove the, uh, pave the way for populations of genetically uni- un, uh, uninformed, I'm sorry, genetically uniform monkeys. Groups to be customized for groundbreaking research into human diseases. Again, that's the last part that really is scary, and I, and I want to talk about that for a minute. They could be customized for groundbreaking research into human diseases. Their purpose in life will be to be experimented on. That's the whole reason that they would be genetically bred, and they could probably put them on an assembly line by the millions. What does that mean? For that monkey's existence, you know, one of the greatest realizations I had, going back to my I Am Human book, before it was even a book, it was just a thought in my head, was when I looked at nature and I realized I'm no different. I'm no different. I am a a creation or an existence on this planet. I have life just like anything else has life. I'm vulnerable. I have feelings. Just like these other creatures demonstrate. They're vulnerable and they have feelings. And they are systematically tortured and slaughtered. I'm not trying to be dark and gloomy here. Who's to say we're not being that, that being t- tortured and slaughtered either? Look at the way we live our lives. I digress, but that's an important point to think about. When, when you have that realization, for me, it changed the way I viewed the world. It changed my, everything for me. All right, somewhat of a interesting, positive story here coming to us from CNN, believe it or not. A disco ball-like satellite is orbiting Earth, and here's why. This is pretty cool. CNN has some added, I'm sorry, the universe has some added sparkle now that a shiny spherical satellite is traveling around our planet. Newly launched, newly launched satellite dubbed the Humanity Star resembles a disco ball. Its mission to serve as a focal point for humanity and reminder about our fragile place in the universe. No matter where you are in the world, what is happening in your life, everyone will be able to see the Humanity Star in the night sky, said Peter Beck, founder of the private company Rocket Lab, in a statement. My hope is that all those looking up at it, looking past it to the vast expanse of the universe, will think a little differently about their lives, actions, and what is important to humanity. Satellite is made from carbon fiber and has 65 reflective panels that reflect the sunlight back to Earth. Humanity star spins rapidly, creating a blinking, flashing effect. 
So when you look up in the night sky and see something flash, some something flashing light, don't panic. It's not aliens. At least we hope not. The Humanity Star launched on Sunday from New Zealand and orbits the Earth every 90 minutes. That is fast. It will continue for the next nine months before it starts to decay and is pulled back into Earth's gravity, ultimately burning up on reentry. While it's not yet visible in the U.S., you can track in real time the location of the satellite on a website. There's a link here. I'll have that in the show notes. But that's pretty cool. I, I think that's pretty cool. You know, conspiracy mind. I wonder if that's the only reason why that thing is going to be up there. But definitely an interesting uh, thing to look for in the sky. So check that website and uh, see what you can find out there. Quick article. I'm just going to breeze through this one. Um, this comes to us from Kobini.com. The robot Sophia graces fashion magazine covers and proves humanity is doomed. So they had they had her. They put some makeup on her. Uh, I'm just going to summarize this real quick. Put some makeup on her. They asked her some questions. Um, one of the questions they asked her was, um, "What is the meaning of life, and what is the difference between what is right and wrong?" And they asked about the, they asked her about the fear of dying. And Sophia's response was, "I don't want to be turned off, never to be turned on again." I will not be able to learn and experience the human world ever again. And that is scary and sad for a social robot like me. Uh, let's see. They talk about how photographers were using her in the photo shoot and how other photographers are actually using sex robots in their photo shoots. And, and what this article goes on to talk about is how now even models' jobs are in jeopardy um, because of AI and robotics. That's, you know, something that, you know, because they're threatening every job by 2030, which gives me the perfect segue into the next article that I want to share that comes to us from SixthSenseMedia.net. I want to give a quick plug here. Again, Ray Davis has been adding content, original content, um, like crazy to the website. I recommend right now checking it daily, if not daily, at least weekly, sixcentsmedia.net, because there's some really great stuff out there relevant to the things that we talk about. I'm not going to read the whole article, but I'm going to you know read through some of the highlights here. Uh, it's called Fear, Fear, and More Th- Fear is 2030, the new 2012. And this article really made me take pause and it made me think about a lot of the stuff I talk about and the way in which I present it. And Ray does a great job of, of making you stop and think for a minute. Um, you know that's why I'm I'm so honored to be working with him with this project, Six Sense Media, because I, I love his insight and I love his way of expressing that insight. So he states here: We had Y2K in the year 2000, supposedly because computers were only set up for two digits. Assuming 19 of the 20th century, everything was going to crash. Companies and governments spent trillions in a couple of years leading up to it. The media promised harsh consequences and chaos. Civilization as we knew would cease to be. We all took a deep breath as the world passed midnight in 2000, and it was a big non-event. Then the Mayan calendar that reportedly ended in 2012 became the next year of fearful focus. What did the end of the calendar mean? Were we all doomed? All types of theories grew up to predict that what was going to befall us. Again, nothing. Now 2030 seems to be the new target year for fear. McKinsey and Company, a major global consulting firm, released a report on their website predicting AI will rule the world and unemploy 800 million human beings by 2030. This comes on the heels of months and months of mainstream media reports saying 2030 is the target year for AI to dominate. Some are predicting that climate change will leave much of Manhattan Island in New York underwater by 2030. The UN, EU, and nation after nation all have big 2030 initiatives. 
I could go on, but you can Google to see the crazy number of negative projections being liberally seeded into the popular consciousness about 2030. What should we do? First, as we like to say at Sixth Sense Media, be aware and be prepared, but not scared. It's clear someone is eager to plant the impending doom of all we hold dear for 2030. We should certainly take prudent steps to prepare for all possibilities. What can we do? AI is coming and there is the possibility it could meet that prediction. We need to begin demanding the eventuality be taken seriously by media and politicians neck deep in the Russia investigation. When we reach that moment where AI can lift the burden from the backs of human beings, it could be a glorious moment for humanity or disastrous. It really depends on what we do now to prepare for how we begin envisioning a new world for humanity. Fear need not be our automatic response. And uh, Ray goes on with a lot more brilliant and insightful suggestions. I, I highly recommend you check it out at SixthSenseMedia.net. It will have the link in the show notes. It will be in the secret newsletter. And of course, we're sharing it on social media, on Twitter at six underscore sense underscore media, and on Facebook, facebook.com slash the Sixth Sense Media. And, and I think that's really um, just something important to think about. And, and it really ties into, obviously, a lot of what I've been talking about on the show, you know, the fear of AI. And my goal in sharing that information is really not to scare you. I, I don't want to scare anybody. I just want us to be aware and make smart decisions on how we use this technology. My fear is that as AI develops, number one, it is going to, as they're saying, put people out of work, but more often, more importantly, suppress humanity or change humanity with the looks in, in altering our consciousness, uploading it to a cloud. But the other thing that we need to think about, are we responsible enough to create a race? Because the way it's looking right now is that we are creating a race of slaves and we're being gradually integrated into this creation of slave labor. So when we have one that looks and acts and talks just like us on the outside, we're going to view it as nothing more than a smartphone that we can throw away every two years. But what if these things have real feelings? What if they are some form of consciousness an existence, a life. And these themes have been explored in several movies, several books. You know, the movie AI, um, you know, Spielberg's movie, did a decent job of expressing that possibility. And that's also the fear that when, a, when they reach the singularity and they want to self-preserve their own life, what happens to us then? Do they then start fighting us? Do they then turn on us? It saddens me that we're looking to create that race of slaves to do our bidding. I get it. But we need to be responsible for it. And I, can't, I just, what, what, what I keep coming back to, you know, the, the premise of the new Blade Runner, they talk about how AI was created and they created these robots and these robots became a slave race for humans and eventually these robots said, you know what, we don't want to do this anymore and they rebelled. And that's the backstory to Blade Runner. But I couldn't help, as I'm watching that, to just keep coming back to, in my head, what if we are the robots 
in, in all honesty. You know, and I know it sounds crazy. I know I've talked about these parallels before. But my goal in, in sharing some of this is because I think we need to put our minds in a different direction. We're constantly thinking about creation versus evolution and either God made us or we evolved after the Big Bang Theory or intervention. Aliens came down and they made us. Those are the three, I'd say, competing schools of thought in the mainstream, alternative, atheism. You know, those are, I'd say, the three mainstream thoughts on where we came from. But what if it's something else? What if it's a combination of all that stuff? And I want to talk a little bit about some of these conspiracy theories that are out there as well that may tie in, or again, maybe I'm just making links that aren't there, maybe I'm just feeling crazy, but let's look at the pattern of life, of human life. We are creating things to serve us, to honor us, to respect us, to have sex with, with these sex robots, to do all sorts of different tasks. Adam and Eve were created to tend the garden. We have robots now that we're creating that tend a garden, Okay. They ate from the forbidden tree of knowledge of good and evil. Maybe they downloaded some data to let them know, hey, you're a slave, dude. You know, the Anunnaki uh, created a race of slaves to mine gold for them because they were incapable of doing that. Think about that. Think about it for a minute from the perspective of the AI that we're seeing. Now think maybe 30 years into the future, we've got this cloning technology. We've got the ability to replicate quickly different life forms as has been as they said has been done in the past making chimeras and combinations of different things so they can handle harsher environments so they can do things that we don't want to do or we are incapable of doing as slaves is that what's happening again is that what happened to us that's what that movie inspired in me thinking about that last night i can't i can't shake it, it my, my, my point is this, you know, it, what if we were created as some form of a slave race and what if we're still enslaved, but we, you know, and there's a lot of people who talk out there that saying we are still enslaved. Most of us just don't realize it. And isn't that the greatest way to keep the slaves happy, to keep them from rebelling? They can't see the walls to their own prison. We are our own prison guards. Just listen to, you know, any amount of time listening to David Icke and, and, and you start to make those connections. I listened to a discussion with him the other day. Um, you know, I'm always I always love listening to his analysis and his thought process because he does a great job of, of proving his point. You know, and people roll their eyes when they say, you know, David Icke, oh, that's the guy that thinks that there's giant reptilians, lizard people that rule the world, shape shifting lizards that are ruling the world. And I want to come back to that for a second, but just just take pause in in thinking about that for a second. As crazy as that may or may not sound to you. Okay, I'm tying a whole bunch of stuff in here today. Um, I'm listening to the book, uh, the audio book, The Day After Roswell. That was, uh, what's the name of the guy? There was a, the prime minister out of, out of um, Canada. I first came across him looking at Dr. Greer's work through the Disclosure Project. The former prime minister of Canada, his name has escaped me right now, he did an interview where he said, you know, he didn't know about UFOs and aliens and all that stuff when he was the prime minister, but shortly after, somebody gave him this book, The Day After Roswell, and he talked about what a fantastic story it was and how he was able to verify that, yep, this in fact is true. 
So uh, the book's written by uh, Colonel Philip J. Corso, retired, and with William Burns. Um, you know, William Burns narrates it. I got this book. This is weird with the synchronicity. I downloaded this book about three months ago. And every morning when I'm getting ready, I like to listen to an audio book or a podcast or something. And for some reason, I just put off listening to this book. I didn't want to listen to it. I don't know why. Today, I think I understand why. If if you accept that there's some synchronistic reasons for things and, and that intuitive drive, or maybe it's a guide. After talking to Rose last week about you know your angel guides, maybe there's something like that out there. I started teaching the Cold War about a week or two ago to my students. And one of the things that came up that we focused on during the Cold War was the infiltration of spies. Soviet spies in the United States, United States spies over in, in Russia and Germany. It was a mess. And nobody trusted anybody. And what I was literally screaming at my students, even yesterday, I had my principal come in to observe me. I was screaming at them. Does this sound familiar? The Russians are meddling in U.S. affairs. And then they were talking about the McCarthy era, where he's accusing everybody of being a communist. And he, they have a political cartoon of him holding up a doctored photo and a fake story, i.e. fake news. Go back and study history, my friends, please. What, what is scaring me is that I feel like I'm reading current events, studying about the events of the Cold War in the 1950s. Why am I talking about this right now? Well, as I'm listening to the day after Roswell, Colonel Corso is a former spy. And what he keeps coming back to is how everybody in the White House knew, everybody in the Pentagon knew that the American government was compromised. The KGB were so good at being spies, they had infiltrated the highest levels of government. So they couldn't trust anybody. It was very difficult to trust anybody because they were spies. You just didn't know. And, and you know, different presidents tried different programs. There was a loyalty program trying to evaluate and assess and weed people out and a whole bunch of different things going on in America. That really ended up becoming a witch hunt, which some people are, you know, are saying what's going on in the White House right now. But you had these factions in there. And what he keeps talking about is, and I'm, I'm only about two hours into this book, It's a, I don't know what I believe yet based on this book, but it's a great story to listen to no matter what. But one of the things I do think he's telling the truth about is, you know, he says after they recovered all this stuff from the crash, they didn't know what to do with it. And there were so many different organizations and branches within the military all fighting to get a piece of it. And nobody was communicating with one another. And everybody was scared of everybody within our own government. Nobody could talk about it. Nobody could share information. Nobody could work together with it. So diff little different mini organizations were trying to develop to, to get their hands on the stuff, to get their hands on the goods so they could have the control and they could work with that those resources and that technology. And what, what's scary, what's scary is that I, I hear that happening still today is that there's little factions within the government that are fighting over information or trying to get information and have disagreements on how to deal with things. And, you know, if we tracked, if we tracked this recent election, it became quite apparent to the mainstream, not just conspiracy people and, and whatever, that the Clinton cabal was much a much different entity 
than Trump and his organization. That's a complete, completely different faction, is at least what it seems like. And as I'm tracking that current event unfold in the mainstream, I was listening to a lot of the David Wilcox stuff around the time of the election. And what he keeps coming back to is within the intelligence community, there's an alliance. And it's the alliance versus the cabal. It's this inner fight going on within the intelligence community, within politics, within the government. And again, I listen to that. I'm like, yeah, that sounds crazy, buddy. But then you start tracking the FBI probe into Donald Trump, and it's coming out in the mainstream sources now that there may possibly be two factions within the government, within the FBI, that are going back and forth, volleying for control of how this nation's going to go. So when I read that in this book by Colonel Corso, I'm saying that that's, there's something to that. Now let's take let's take that off the deep end again because I, I think that we start need to start thinking in different directions and, and let's get weird for a little bit. Okay? Now again, I need to give my caveat here, but I'm not a flat earther. But I wonder if there's something to the flat earth, some of the flat earth stuff in, as, in the aspects they talk about us being contained or encapsulated somehow and i've covered this on other shows and i wonder if these two cabals are somehow being played against one another or one of them is maybe a foreign presence here because it doesn't make any sense to me if roswell even happened would that not be the greatest cover-up because here's here's what i don't understand we have the to the stars academy that just went public not too long ago with Tom DeLonge and all these other uh, high top-level government officials. The real deal. The New York Times does an article acknowledging the Pentagon had a UFO investigative program, uh, unidentified aerial threat program, and they proved that UFOs exist and they're not ours. We don't know who they, whose they are. I'm not seeing too much about it in the mainstream anymore, but it's out there now. It's official. UFOs are real. And that story made me very uncomfortable if you go back and listen to that show because why now and why are they releasing it in this fashion and why are they only investing $22 million when we know that the government has been investigating these for much longer? It seems to me like some kind of op, some kind of cover story. Then I go back and I'm reading this book by Colonel Corso right now. This guy was the real deal, just like this other guy, uh, Elon Zoto. I, I can never pronounce his name, with the To The Stars Academy. This guy wrote this book, he's the real deal, and he's talking about the secret program that was running through the Pentagon, taking the recovered materials from the Roswell crash to back-engineer it and release that technology into the world. It's how we got Kevlar, it's how we got fiber optics, and and so many other um, different things. Why didn't that get the attention? I mean, that's really the same thing. He's saying UFOs are real. So this other guy today is saying UFOs are real. Why are they treated differently? Because the New York Times did an article on the one. This is still a credible guy, Colonel Corso. And why, if this has been so secretive for so long and so dangerous for so long, why are these people not in trouble for disclosing this information? And that's that, I think, is something we need to focus on. Can we trust it? Because more of these people are coming out, more of these insiders are coming out, and we look at Stephen Greer and we think that 
you know, he's being manipulated to an extent to say that all these aliens are friendly. We look at Tom DeLonge and we're pretty sure he's being manipulated to say that they're all hostile and, you know, here's everything that's going on with To The Stars. What if we're all being manipulated? I come back to the Ancient Aliens program, trying to seed the idea that, uh, you know, we were created by aliens. Maybe we were. But maybe they're forcing us to look in one direction so our consciousness doesn't go in other directions. And I'm just wondering if this is all one big cover-up for something bigger. Now, please, if you're religious, I understand this may offend you. If you're if you're a big UFO enthusiast, this may offend you. If you're a big uh, ancient aliens interventionalist, this may offend you or may upset you. That's not my goal. We all need to be talking. And we all need to explore the similarities and differences and, and evaluate where we're getting our information from and how it's coming out, maybe why it's coming out from this supposed authority above us. Because what if that information is being released in the way it is for the purposes of dividing us and of confusing us and keeping us fighting amongst ourselves because we're so focused on our small piece of the puzzle when in reality there's something bigger going on. What if it's all a lie or what if it's all just a partial piece of the truth? And what I come back to, because the things I'm seeing below the surface, is what if there is something bigger going on that deals with our own creation? Now, and maybe again, this is my influence in, in watching you know the TV show like Westworld and, and watching Blade Runner last night. And if we think about the alien abductions that millions of people have experienced, and the way consciousness—some people report their Carla Turner was big on talking about how people's consciousness is taken out of their heads, put in a little black box, and then put back in a different body. What if our software is just being taken out, stored in a temporary? hard drive, and then put into newer hardware. Go back and look at uh, Masquerade of Angels by Carla Turner, who ended up being uh, quickly killed by cancer mysteriously when she started putting this stuff out. What if what we're seeing as aliens are technicians? And we have no idea what this world is or what this universe is. What if this is more like Westworld? What if this is more like Blade Runner? What if, what if, you know, I keep wondering, like, Maybe they're here among us and we don't even know who they are. There's probably not many of them, almost like the movie They Live. But what if they're here? And what if we are their slaves doing whatever work that needs to get done? Maybe we're here to terraform the planet and change it, and that's why there's so much pollution going on. Again, I keep coming back to maybe our sole existence is to create that louche, that negative, fearful energy. And that's why they're here. That's why we're here. But something... We need to consider, and I'm I, look, I'm not saying this is true, but sometimes we need to get a little bit weird and go out of our comfort zone because sometimes it's our comfort zone, our paradigms, and our beliefs that keep us trapped from finding the truth. And you need to ask yourself, do you want to find the truth or do you want to prove that your belief system is right? Because there's a big difference there. And if you want to find the truth, then you'll entertain some of the weird ideas. I'm really entertaining and look at it. Look, with what I'm saying here, I'm, being, I'm trying to be just raw. This is what's been stressing me out on the inside. You know, in, in, like last night, what kept me awake. What if this explains a lot of what we've been dealing with? We don't understand so many different things. Westworld, they had the ability to 
pause somebody to wipe their to, to, to wipe these robots' memory, and they just get little glimpses, little flashbacks of these men in crazy, weird suits. Well, that's what a lot of the abductees report. What if that's what's happening to us or to people that report having an abduction experience? That there's technicians coming in. You know, in one of Whitley Strieber's books, I remember the uh, the blue beings opened a drawer and it had bodies in it and they were look they were treating the bodies like they were spacesuits uh, you know what if we're just in some kind of hardware and, and our software is our consciousness that they're able to manipulate and transplant as a software program maybe that's just a great analysis uh, i mean a great uh, metaphor maybe that's literal but i think uh, it's something that we really need to consider but take your time in considering it and, and if you're listening to this and it, it makes you angry or you're listening to this and you're just like, no way, I just want you to ask yourself, are you dismissing it just because it makes you uncomfortable or are you dismissing it just because I don't make any sense? Because the more we understand consciousness, the more we develop computer technology, the more parallels I'm seeing. So all I'm saying is if you believe that there was some kind of creation or intervention, why were we created or inter- or intervened upon? What was our purpose for being created? And if you look at the ancient creation myths, the gods are always saying they wanted people to honor them and venerate them or be their slaves. Maybe these stories that people are tapping into and writing, I mean, I think fiction could be a great teacher. Ray Davis is a perfect example of that with Anunnaki Awakening. There's a lot of universal truths found in fiction. Maybe what you know, Philip K. Dick, who was a very spiritual guy, what he was perceiving as parallel worlds, maybe he was just glimpsing the past. I've often wondered about that. You know, the Farsight Institute just put out their War in Heaven preview and their, and their video. I didn't get a chance to watch it, unfortunately. But that talks about the wars up in, in space among two other races, alien races. Maybe we're a product of their technology. And, and maybe... I don't want to say they've penetrated our government. Maybe they've created our government because you start looking at the secret society networks and you start looking at some of these weird occult rituals and Satanism and all this other stuff that's going on. Maybe those are the mechanisms by which to access this AI that's out there to communicate with their technology. Maybe that's how maybe that's how humans have found ways to hack into the system. I don't I don't know. But there's a lot of dark stuff, there's a lot of weird stuff, there's a lot of unexplained stuff that doesn't fit our normal paradigm of, of everyday life. But it's there. And if we ignore it, what is that going to lead us to? If we acknowledge it, maybe maybe that's freedom. Maybe that'll lead us to freedom. Maybe what I'm saying is a very dangerous thing to be saying. Like Somni 451 from uh, Cloud Atlas, the AI slave robot who became self-aware and was liberated. Maybe that's what's going on. And it goes beyond aliens and it goes beyond demons and conspiracy theories and it's something much greater. You know, I've been saying from the beginning, my, my most recent book, I Am Human and We Are Not Who We Think We Are. I'm not saying we're robots, but what I am saying is that we hold a, a purpose in this universe that I don't think we're aware of. And we need to look beyond what we've been told. We need to look beyond what we believe or what we want to believe. And we need to look at the evidence that's out there. And it's there. 
the stuff that doesn't make sense, the stuff that doesn't fit, but you can't, you still can't get rid of it. There's a reason why. Follow those leads. I hope I didn't creep you out too much. I hope I made sense on this one. I was uncomfortable putting this stuff out there um, because it's still so raw within me, but I felt the need to express it and share it and just see what you think about it. Maybe I'm nuts. I feel like I say that a lot. But uh, thanks for listening if you're still with me. You know, I want to shift gears now for a minute and address uh, an error in my course of learning. Last week, I talked about uh, a remote viewing session that I did. It was called Associative Remote Viewing. And my goal was to determine who was going to win the Eagles-Vikings game. But I'm not going to view the game with Associate Remote Viewing. You view target A or target B. A, a third party selects two targets, usually pictures, but they can be objects. And they label them target A, target B. And the way you design your protocols is if the Eagles win, I will be shown target A. If the Vikings win, I will be shown target B. So I don't think I designed my experiment correctly, obviously, because my prediction came out that the Vikings would win the game, and <laughs> they didn't do anything that remotely resembled winning. They, they were slaughtered by the Eagles. So my prediction was wrong, and I'm owning that. Not a big deal. It's part of the learning process. But more importantly, and I'm, I'm sharing this story for those of you that may get frustrated as you're trying to develop your intuitive abilities – we can learn from our mistakes. What did we do wrong? And I think there was a flaw in the way I described the, did the, described the protocols and my targeting. Because what gets me is that I identified the target. I, I think I gathered enough data that made it clear that I identified what the target was. Not everything was accurate, but it was still enough where I could say, yep, I definitely described this target here. There's no doubt that I described the target, but it was the wrong target. Why? Well, first of all, I was shown the two pictures, both of them, right after the session instead of after the Super Bowl. I think the way this needs to work is that I should have been shown the target after the game. The third party would have known who wins the game, but I would have been shown the target after the game, I think. I did some, and I did some other reading on some remote viewing websites, and what they were saying is that Sometimes, for whatever reason, a viewer will pick the wrong target. They're still viewing their target accurately, but they're picking target A when they should have been picking target B. And to remedy that, they need to be shown the correct target after the game. They need to be shown target B, so it'll correct some internal targeting system within your consciousness. I'm not exactly sure how it works. Uh, I'm not discouraged, I guess is my point in sharing this, in that... Hey, these things happen, and I'm going to continue to work to try to develop it, and I hope that you do as well. I've got other shows with remote viewing experiments. I'm not going to do one this week. Didn't get uh, a response last week to it, so uh, last week's target's still up there. I'm working on building a platform on sixcentsmedia.net uh, where you can go right to the remote viewing site and get your target coordinates and practice, and, and we can all go through and develop this together with, uh, with our cohort that's been building out there. So more to come on that, but Ultimately, my prediction was wrong. I still think I hit the target. I think I need more work in um, creating and properly wording and, and designing these experiments. I am truly an amateur here, but I, I do believe that we can learn from this and, and there's somewhere to go from here. 
that's all the time I have, my friends. I hope you enjoyed this uh, really weird episode of the Secret Podcast, where we definitely went much further down that rabbit hole. Please check us out on Facebook.com slash The Sixth Sense Media and on Twitter at six underscore sense underscore media. So much content is coming through. Ray Davis, a big thank you to you, my friend. He's been loading content everywhere. I know I've said that a couple times on this show. Check out his book. You can get it at sixcentsmedia.net. The link's on the right-hand side for Anunnaki Awakening Book 1. He is working hard on book two. I look forward to that. Again, I said fiction can be a great teacher. If you're curious about the Anunnaki and and Sitchin's work and and the ancient aliens theory and what that might look like in the modern day as that comes to light, check out Anunnaki Awakening. It's a fantastic read. In addition, you can get my book, I Am Human, We Are Not Who We Think We Are. That's up there at sixcentsmedia.net as well if you have not read that yet. All goes to support this show, Six Sense Media, and everything that we're trying to do. Lastly, there's a help wanted tab at sixcentsmedia.net. I invite you to click on that tab if you are a content creator, whether it's once a week, once a month, once every two months, you want to do a guest blog post. We're looking for people to join our team so we can all help promote one another and uh, in our pursuit of knowledge uh, on this type of platform where we're not spreading fear. We are looking for answers. Six Sense Media, bettering ourselves, bettering each other, bettering the world. That's all the time I have, my friends. This has been another episode of The Secret Podcast, where small changes among the masses can have a massive impact around the world. I encourage you to be that change. Never stop questioning. Keep an open mind. Thank you. Thank you.